Okay. Uh, Ready, guys? Yeah. V, he leaped. V, Z, he leaped. Baby! He leaped. V, Z, he leaped. Baby! You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 212. It's the first week of October of 2019. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam! We have so much to talk about this week. And, as always, so many things we can't talk about. We actually have more to talk about than we probably ever have. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> like, I don't, e- I don't even know where to start. We, we, <laughs> We both went to AEW Dynamite this week, and that thing debuted to an average of 1.4 million viewers. There were 1.609 million viewers there at the start of the show, and uh, overall it did very well. It doubled NXT in the uh, 18-49 to demo. Strong Triple, de- tripled them in the 12-30 to 30 or whatever that young 12, male's demo is. 12-34? to 34. Yeah. Well, it was a very strong debut uh, from a ratings perspective. Uh, what did you think of the show from live perspective, and did you get a chance to see the TV? Uh, didn't get to see much of the TV. I saw the, a few clips that they put on uh, social media. Uh, but yeah, as a live show, it was a it was a blast. Um, really fun show, and I know you remarked this, and we kind of talked about it off the air, but. Uh, I don't know that I had ever been in an arena with that many people who were just so freaking pumped to be there and were just so excited to watch some wrestling. Yeah, they made they made the show in a lot of ways. Like I, I don't think anything was really bad on the show, but they took um, average to above average material and made it great. Agreed. Yeah, so uh, they... Set up, I think they they did a strong job of establishing what's on their pay-per-view on November 9th. We know you're getting Moxley and Omega, and they did a, a heavy angle. And we know you're getting Cody and Jericho, and they did a couple of angles. And we had the big surprise, which is friggin' Jack Swagger. <laughs> the undefeated um, MMA, as Jim Ross calls him. Oh, good lord. Oh, good lord. Um, I can speak more to the television um, uh, part of the show because I I watched the replay when I got home. Uh, let's see here. I thought everybody was really strong. I thought Jim Ross had his best outing, like, in years. Um, wow. Tony Schiavone was... And long-time listener will know you have not been a fan of Jim Ross uh, over the last few years, but especially on this AEW run. Oh, he's been terrible on this AEW run, and I think anybody that says otherwise is just trying to be nice, <laughs> <laughs> or, or or knows him personally. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, Tony Schiavone was really strong. Excalibur was good, although I feel like they're kind of wasting Excalibur, and Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross are kind of redundant in their roles. But as far as establishing the pay per view, like I said, I think they did a. a 
an above average job as far as giving you a reason to tune in next week. Is that what the Jack Swagger cliffhanger was supposed to be? Yeah, the formation of Jericho's new group, I guess, to they're the anti elite, I guess. They're the bizarro elite. Ugh. And they're going to it's uh Jericho, Jake Hager, uh the not we can't call them LAX and Sammy Guevara. Uh um I mean I thought it was effective and I t- talked this over with uh with people on Twitter the night of the show, um as I was riding the metro back to where I parked. Um and people kind of all came, I seem the consensus was anyone that the crowd recognized would have gotten a, re, a crazy reaction at the end of that show. And I think that's <laughs> largely true, but I was still kind of flabbergasted at just how big of a reaction uh, Jack Swagger slash Jake Hager got. Yeah, that was something else. Um, they did some dark matches. They did a dark match before the show, they did a few after. Uh, I drove into Washington, D.C. on a weeknight. I absolutely hate doing. Uh, I probably would have driven to a metro station and taken the metro in if I'd had time, but it's difficult to make it, you know, to DC in time for a show on a weeknight. It just is. Uh, sure. So that, that's, that's just logistics on this end though. That has nothing to do with the quality of the show. Um, they, uh, Rio won the women's title. Um, talk about the crowd willing something into being better than it was. Um, and I didn't think they had like a terrible match or anything or, uh, yeah, but there was some sloppiness to it and the crowd was kind of lukewarm on it. And then once Nyla missed that senton on the ramp, uh, crowd just exploded and they really, really wanted to see Riho win. And in fact, this company gave the fans could be a theme. I think they gave the fans what they wanted to see. Imagine that, you know. There was a little bit, like, I knew you need to establish heels, and you need to to establish something for the baby faces to fight for, and you have to put obstacles in the way for them to overcome. But I, it, I did think that it was the show was kind of heavy on uh, heel heat segments, but, yeah. We, That's fair. I think it's a fair thing. I mean, a couple of it, Cody's post-match interview after his win and Riho's, interview after her win were both immediately uh interrupted by by heels beating them up so yeah um i guess it's like it's a little bit of a double-edged sword like you said obviously they're trying to establish stuff for their pay-per-views they're trying to establish reasons to tune in next week but then yeah you do have to be careful to not literally every every time you do an interview or have a baby face win immediately cut them off because you know like it you know, and I don't, I don't want to compare these directly to WWE, uh, but you know, a lot of times in WWE, the babyface loses and gets beat up afterwards. So at <laughs> least, at least the babyfaces won their matches. At least some of them did before they, before they got beat up. Yeah, but uh, to focus on the positive, like you said, it was a lot of fun being in a building that size, the crowd that hot. Um, yeah, for a wrestling show, which just hasn't happened in years. So. Uh, we'll see. I don't really know if there's a whole lot else we need to get into there. Um, we'll see how their next show is and the show after that and the show after that. Yes, yeah, as, as far as the ratings go, I mean, that's it's uh, that's kind of what everyone said, is that it's 
you know, the rate the, we'll find out, I guess, what their their general median viewership is going to be in the next couple of weeks. How many people were there to you know to watch a just saw the commercials, decided to check it out, and we'll come back. It's it's definitely going to be really interesting to see. And uh, um, I do think, and we're, we don't do a lot of ratings talk on this show, but I did think it was really fascinating looking at the breakdowns of basically that. Uh, it seems like the baseball playoffs hurt WWE's viewership this week, uh, whereas they did not seem to affect AEW's debut at all. So, just that that I, I was surprised how young <laughs> the AEW audience skewed because I didn't know there were that many people in that age group that still watched or wanted to watch wrestling. Right. Well, I guess we will know more um, as they as they either grow or don't grow the audience, but NXT did the same number it did in the in the younger demo the week before. So older people that watch NXT watch baseball instead, and 1.6 million people came out of nowhere to watch AEW. So is that... Where are those people coming from? I mean, maybe we'll never figure it out. <laughs> yeah, but, I, mean, I mean, that's kind of a thing from back in the day that, I mean, there's when there were so many people watching wrestling during the Monday Night Wars, and everyone's always like, oh, you're splitting the audience. But in fact, they weren't, because a lot of the people who watched WCW were not fans of WWF, didn't watch WWF. And when WCW died, they didn't go watch Raw. They just stopped watching. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, again, if they can hold that audience and as always is important, can they do what, say, something like TNA when they were on Spike could never do, which is grow that audience beyond that, you know, 1 to 1.2 million. So, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, is this the the audience that used to watch Impact on Spike? (laughs) Could be. (laughs) And, you know, didn't really watch them on whatever channel they were on before they got so desperate they had to buy a television station? Right. (laughs) All right. Let's let's not try to rabbit trail uh, too much here. NXT on Wednesday night. I did not get a chance to see this show. Uh, I did not set the DVR for it. Um, and uh, I guess the the big deals were the returns of Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa. Even Triple H calls him Ciampa, though. Uh, always, <laughs> always throws me. Uh, so uh, they loaded up the show. They did almost exactly the number that I thought they would. I was way low on AEW, but I was pretty spot on with predicting the NXT audience. And, I don't know, uh, Finn Balor, uh, Champa, everybody wants Adam McCall's title. I don't know, they, they, set, they set some stuff up. Yeah, um, I, I think maybe it could be argued that one of those two at least should have been announced for the show ahead of time. I don't oh. know that it, I don't know that it would have made a difference, but it probably couldn't have hurt. What? <laughs> I don't. They don't, WWE doesn't really do like return vignettes anymore for whatever reason, and I understand the idea of having this cool, big, spontaneous moment. And hey, maybe it'll work, and people go, "Oh my god, I didn't watch NXT live last week, and Finn showed up. I got I got to watch live next week." But um, we'll see. But I I just feel like especially Balor. I feel like it maybe would have made sense to just like do a vignette uh, uh, announcing his return and then 
maybe hold him off a week or two and then bring him back. But well, they didn't do that. So <laughs> they had two. Yes, yeah, so they had the two big surprise returns. They didn't change any of the belts. They had all those title matches, and none of the belts changed hands. Mom lost to Shayna, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so it was that, uh, that match. Feel like, sorry, no, that match did well with uh, with young viewers, though. So I don't know if what that what that says about uh, maybe we're wrong about Candace having mom energy if she's connecting with with the young people. Well, you know, never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe that that's, maybe that does a, a feel to uh, younger <laughs> younger men for different reasons. But uh, no, I, I, I did not. Also, I also did not get to see. I'm just powering right through. I did. Also, I also did not get to see the entire NXT show. I saw obviously the clips of Finn and and Ciampa returning, and I did get to watch the Adam Cole Matt Riddle match. Uh, watched that just before SmackDown on Friday, and uh, it was great. It was as advertised, probably a better wrestling match than anything else you're likely to see. Uh, anywhere in North American wrestling this week. So definitely is worth checking out at least that match, if not the whole show, which again, I haven't, I hadn't had the time to see, but it was, uh, that, that match was great. And like you said, they did set some stuff up. So they hot shotted this week, but if it's hot shotting in the name of trying to, <laughs> to drum up a number for next week, maybe it'll work out for them. Yeah, so it'll be very very interesting to see how week two goes head-to-head there. The Wednesday Night War, it's singular. Mm. It's not plural. There is one war happening. That's right. Um, someone's setting off fireworks behind my house. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's October the 4th when we're recording this. <laughs> I know. It's horrible. This is a horrible neighborhood. It's not that bad a neighborhood, but anyway. Uh, so right before uh, SmackDown this week, Jeff Hardy, it came out that Jeff Hardy was arrested on, I guess, late on Thursday of this week with uh, charged with driving while impaired. This is Jeff's, like, third arrest in the last two years, and I don't know, maybe his 300th of his life. Yeah, it's, again, like, I don't, I don't want to make light of this because it's an, an addiction thing, but... Yeah, what happened? I mean, I know what happened, but what ha- remember when WWE had like a three strike policy? Well, I mean, I know that's about failed drug tests, but like, yeah, um, maybe they should drug test Jeff Hardy more often, or <laughs> maybe when you're arrested three times in a year or two years, that maybe they should kind of put their foot down and strongly suggest that he uh, seek some some sort of professional assistance. Because well, well, they they do the statement every time of WWE superstars are responsible for their own actions, and right. I don't think that's good enough when you're a billion dollar corporation and this guy wrecked his body working for you. I don't think that's a good look. It's absolutely not a good look, and I like Jeff, and I don't want to say bad things about Jeff. Uh, and it should be noted that the police said that. Um, the police did not say what the substance that they um, are accusing him of being impaired by was, and it wasn't a while intoxicated, so we don't know if it was alcohol or drugs, and it doesn't sound like he submitted to a blood test. So anyway, 
um, all of that due process stuff will work itself out. But Jeff clearly has a problem. And uh, here we are again, still talking about it <laughs> as we uh, enter the final quarter of 2019. Yeah, it's it's just a shame. And like I said, I just again, obviously, I, I understand there needs to be some personal responsibility. And, and Jeff has a family and but clearly he, you know, it's it's an addiction is a is a tough thing. And I think, again, <laughs> I think the company needs to intervene in some way, even if it's just. I know I don't expect them to fire him or threaten, even threaten to fire him, but I don't know. It's just it's just weird to every time something like this happens and they just give that one word statement to the press that's so dismissive of it. Yeah. All right. WWE TV this week. Raw was a show. Um, Five hundred. Almost almost 600,000 people tuned in to see Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and then immediately tuned out <laughs> <laughs> when their segment was over. Um, let's see. Hogan and Flair are catching up teams for uh, the Blood Money show at on Halloween. Um, and I guess the other big deal on the show was... Uh, remember those... There were like three weeks in a row... Like I don't know, four months ago or two or, th- or or so, where they like they made Alexa Bliss take her shoes off, and they like uh, put her in like white pants and had her like sit in coffee or something. You remember? Yes. You remember that stuff? And we were like, all right, someone backstage is getting their jollies uh, looking at this stuff. Mm-hmm. I I had that exact reaction to uh, the big main event angle. The go the go home angle for Hell in a Cell, which was uh, Bob Bob Lashley making out with Lana, mm-hmm. while her husband stood impotently in the ring. <laughs> yes, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were blessed with the reaction shot that Baron Corbin posted on his Instagram account of him <laughs> and, him in the very problematic Randy Orton laughing at. <laughs> yes. Laughing at, at at said angle, um, I don't know. What do you make of it? <laughs> well, please give me your thoughts <laughs> on Bobby Lashley and Lana making out. So I will say this: I find this version of this storyline far more believable than when I when they tried to tell me that Lana was going to cheat on on Rusev with Dolph. <laughs> Bodacious Bob, I understand. Not, not Dolph though. I don't think that Whoa. was believable. Whoa. Whoa. A lot of beef is what I'm saying. Sure. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what what that was. I don't. I don't know why that was the go home angle. Uh, <laughs> when as of now, as we are recording this show Friday evening, just after SmackDown, there are three matches announced for Hell in a Cell. This is the same three that we talked about on our show last week. Um, they have not announced one single thing. They're going to have the largest audience in years on SmackDown uh, on Fox, and they didn't do one thing. They didn't plug one new match. So I don't, maybe maybe Rusev and Lashley will have a match on on Hell in a Cell. I don't know. I don't I don't know why they're why they're doing this angle. I don't know. Look, I think. Bob Lashley, Bob Lashley needs a manager. Is Rusev so a babyface? 
Uh, well, you would think that because he saved Seth from a two-on-one beatdown and then posed with uh, racist Uncle Terry on the ramp. Um, he, has, he has the worst babyface facial expressions if he is, in fact, a babyface. It's true. Then he also cut a promo right after about how, like, nobody else wanted to save Seth, and I just did it so I could get a title match. That's why why I'm so confused. Yeah, I think that's a a common thread among people who watch Raw on Monday, (laughs) is confusion. But, uh, it was a, yeah, it was a very weird show, and it didn't really build to anything, uh, like we said. Uh, no no other matches have been announced, so. Right. And some of this comes when you're building, when you're trying to build up like three shows at once. Like, they have the Crown Jewel show, but they're building up, and they have, uh, they had SmackDown this week, but they're building up, and (laughs) ostensibly they have Hell in a Cell on Sunday, but they're trying to build up. So you're trying to build three shows at once. I don't know why the hell they did the Crown Jewel angle on Monday, (laughs) other than. It was their quote unquote premiere week for the show that never ends and right. <laughs> and they had to you know, they had to goose the numbers a little bit, but really bizarre. Alright. So that was Raw was really bizarre and I don't trust the people putting it together. <laughs> and I don't trust that their intentions are pure with this Lashley Rusev Lana angle. Almost any angle that involves a woman on the main roster I get a little uh <laughs> concerned about. Like, so, is this punishment for Rusev and well, Lana for, like, walking out? <laughs> probably. But, like, it's, it, well, this is the other thing. Uh, it's impossible to tell when WWE is punishing someone anymore and when they're just <laughs> doing something stupid because. <laughs> like, because if you remember when it was, like, when it was announced the Revival tried to quit and then, like, the next week they were in the shower and the Usos were filming them. <laughs> Shaving each other's backs or whatever. <laughs> and they were doing like skits with itching powder and stuff. Uh, but then also then they won the tag titles and have won the tag titles like three more times since then. Yeah. So I don't know if this is like we try humiliation. If that doesn't work, then we, but then we decide we are going to try to resign him. So we'll build him back up and like he'll end up winning the US title from AJ or something. <laughs> but then he'll. <laughs> I don't know. He'll lose it to Drake Maverick or someone the week after that. Like, I don't know. They just, it's impossible to tell. And also, they signed Mike (laughs) Canellis to a five-year deal. And the next week on television, they started this storyline where someone else banged his wife. So, and he, like, cries about it. So... It's impossible to tell. So Rusev might still be leaving, and this is they're going to try to kill him on the way out. Rusev might be staying. He may have signed a 10-year contract. We won't know. We won't know. We just simply can't know anymore. It's an excellent point. It is impossible to tell who's staying or who's leaving based on their, based on their booking. Oh, man. Okay, Friday Night Smackdown. This was, I was actually really excited to watch this show. Uh, I thought Fox did a superb job of hyping this thing, almost to the point of, uh, of annoyance. Like they, <laughs> like if you watch any sports on any Fox property, whether it be playoff baseball on FS1 or football on Fox, uh, they've been hyping the hell out of SmackDown on Fridays on Fox. 
they did a, a great job building this up. And uh, I'm a huge Dwayne Mark, and so, what? yeah, so they announced Dwayne for the show. Uh, the price of entry on the secondary ticket market went from $40 to $118 once Dwayne was announced for the show. <laughs> big deal. Big deal. Felt like a big show. And the first segment with uh, Dwayne and uh, Baron Corbin and Becky Lynch, you know, I thought it was great. <laughs> you know, it's exa- it, it absolutely doesn't build anything and really only hurts Corbin. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, it, it was exa- I, I I just loved it, and then from there I felt like the show kind of fell off a cliff. What did, what were your thoughts on um, uh, Baron Corbin? I mean STD and uh, Dwayne, wow. their use of Dwayne, uh, their use or non-use of other legends on the show, and just broad strokes on the show before we talk about any specific angles. Yeah. I I didn't think it was a terrible show, but I would agree with you that nothing felt super important after The Rock was out there. Um, I am not a Dwayne Mark, but uh, uh, just an unreal reaction that he got from that crowd, the reaction nobody gets, you know. (laughs) Whoever the biggest stars, even Brock doesn't get that reaction, Becky doesn't get that reaction, Austin didn't get that reaction the last time he came out on the show, which, uh, as you kind of alluded to, he was not there tonight, and apparently the crowd was a little bit upset after after the uh, the live show ended, and they basically just said, good night, <laughs> there's nothing further for you. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, no, no Austin, Sting, Goldberg, any of those guys that they... I mean, they were there, they showed them on, like, the, the red carpet, I'm sorry, the blue carpet, but uh, they didn't, none of, almost none of them, the exception of The Rock, and I guess they had some legends doing that thing that they do at NXT TakeOvers where they sit in the crowd for one match. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, yeah, I would agree with you that there was really nothing super important on the show. Uh, I like that they had The Rock endorse a current person. I mean, we talked about this back and forth when, Austin was on the show a little while ago when they had that the the old timer show a few months ago and they really didn't do that with anybody and yeah. that was the biggest legend you had the guy who hadn't been on the show in a couple of years you know one of the biggest movie stars in the world coming out and a lot of eyeballs are going to be on that show between the people that watch it on television and the people that watch it on social media and YouTube and whatever so a lot of people are going to see Becky Lynch, you know, side standing shoulder to shoulder with The Rock, and uh, you know, on, and and beating up a big dork in a king costume. So, <laughs> good. I think it's good for Becky that she got to stand in the ring, even if the segment itself was uh, like a lot of Dwayne Johnson segments in his career. Uh, he was great. <laughs> uh, the material was dogish. <laughs> but I think he has because and this is why the business has been ruined for so long. It's all Dwayne's fault, but because he can deliver these stupid lines that they come up with, uh, you know, he, wrestling has been ruined for 20 years because they write like that for everyone and nobody else. But Dwayne can can get can elevate the material, as it were. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that is, in fact, a problem. It's his fault. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Well, and you know that they probably brought in Brian Gortz just to work on his segment, right? Probably. <laughs> like, like <laughs> not only do they have write this horrible stuff, but it has to specifically be written by Brian Gortz. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, I like that. And then uh, the women's match, I don't know. I don't, it didn't really make me want to see... <laughs> One of the three matches announced for Sunday, uh, Becky and Sasha in a cell. I didn't think they did a good job of driving home that that was that was going to happen. Uh, and I, I, I did get uh, from that match is that Charlotte is known as the queen. Oh, yeah. Cole said it 486 times. Or she likes to be known as the queen is what yes. he said one time. What does that mean? <laughs> she, she likes, likes it. Being known as the queen. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I mean, you could you could definitely tell who the, who the you know who the brass wanted to push in that match based on Michael Cole's commentary. Yeah, I mean, the finish was Charlotte tapping out Bailey, so one might assume <laughs> that Charlotte and Bailey are going to have a match on Sunday. But again, as a press time here when we're recording this, we don't know. We can assume some matches will be announced on Twitter for the show on Sunday, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the rest of the show was, uh, they plugged Seth and The Fiend, and they plugged Brian and Roman against uh, the Large Men. Yep. And then Brock, oh yeah, and then we can get to the main event in a second here, but yeah, the rest of the show was just kind of some stuff. Yeah, yeah. You get a couple of uh, history highlights packages. I hate those just because it points out how <laughs> how hot everything used to be and how yeah. not this is. Um, Vince and Stephanie were the first <laughs> first stars <laughs> ever seen. You're damn on, right they were on Fox. Um, Aaron Andrews it turns out. Hey, it turns out if you take someone who's a good uh, uh, um, sideline reporter slash backstage interviewer, and you don't. Tell them not to be charismatic. They, they're actually really good. Aaron Andrews is great on this show. Huh. That's a, <laughs> that's a bold strategy. If only there were some other examples of this in wrestling history <laughs> about how having like a, 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 a an alive, charismatic interviewer to help people <laughs> through their promos, especially maybe if some of the people aren't the greatest promos, how that enhances your show. But no such example exists in my mind. <laughs> Like it's even more a miracle that Renee Young ever became a star in this business, right? <laughs> Given that she started in this environment where if you have too much charisma, <laughs> you're told to tone it down. <laughs> yes, you're overshadowing the superstars if you're if you're too <laughs> if your personality is too uh, is too magnetic. That's that's a problem. Yeah, that's why they hide Queen Kathy in NXT. Hey, she's finally on television. Yeah. Finally. True. Finally on television. She's, she's not doing WWE now on <laughs> from Stanford, Connecticut on their Twitter channel or whatever. It's I don't. She she just got off on the wrong foot there, like on her first show, and they never used her again. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. She's great. Um all right, let's see here. Okay, obviously the big stuff coming out of SmackDown. <laughs> Brock squashed Kofi in literally 10 seconds. Amazing. I <laughs> So, 
You knew when they came out there with 10 minutes left that they weren't doing a real match, but I didn't expect 10 seconds. Yeah, you would you would have thought they maybe do the the four minute sprint and Kofi maybe get, hits the kick and Brock does the big you know the big sell for it and he gets a two count and then Brock jumps up and right kills well, him. What would that hurt? Especially given how kind of nothing half of that big angle was. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess we can just talk about it now. Sure. Uh, so. On Monday, we forgot to mention this, but on Monday, uh, Brock murdered Rey Mysterio's son in cold blood. Yes. And uh, <laughs> Rey's large adult son, Walter, was <laughs> yes. murdered by Brock Lesnar. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. And uh, so as revenge, Rey Mysterio, coming for revenge against a man who killed his son, uh, got his big friend Kane to come out. Not not that Kane, the other Kane. Uh, Lucha Libre legend, Kane Velasquez to come out and beat up Brock Lesnar for him, because I guess Ray is too much of a coward to do it himself. Yeah. Yep, I guess I guess that's the truth. And then they had a brawl, and the crowd was kind of into it, but they weren't like, it wasn't like a majorly hot angle. And at the end of it, I thought, why is Brock the WWE champion? <laughs> like, is there, I don't, believe i'm asking this question rhetorically is there someone in the world that is more interested in a kane velasquez versus brock lesnar pro wrestling match because the wwe heavyweight championship (laughs) belt will be on the line in that match uh no and i think in fact you could make a stronger argument that actually the title should have stayed on kofi given that a brock kane program doesn't need the title (laughs) <laughs> and Brock isn't going to be on TV every week, and it turns out television shows are better, wrestling television shows are better when there's a championship around for guys to fight for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny how how, how all of that works. And yeah, you could have done the exact same angle. You could have either before the match started, or you how about you have Brock hit the F5, and he's like all full of himself, and then Ray and his big friend come out, and Brock gets distracted. Kofi hits the kick, gets a flash pin. He's out of there. Brock's all steaming mad. Kane runs down. They have their brawl. The show's over. Yes. Yes. Everything is still accomplished. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Except for the fact where we had to let everyone know what a dork Kofi was and that he wasn't really a good, a real champion. Yeah, he He was just holding the belt until a real wrestler came and got it from him. Yeah, he just disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, yeah. I understand that Kofi's reign didn't light the world on fire. It wasn't the most compelling television. I think that Orton feud really, really, really derailed him. It just <laughs> went too long. But it was nice to have a world champion who is just, like, a good guy and who won all his matches clean and that the crowd liked and kind of believed in. Like, that was nice. It's nice that we had that for a time. <laughs> and now Cain Velasquez is fighting for that belt for some reason. Well, obviously, you know, do, do you want to spell out the reason? Uh, you you do it. <laughs> All right. So SmackDown and its heyday did very well in the Latino community. Uh, the heyday of Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, SmackDown on network TV did big numbers uh, with the Latino demographics. And 
Cain Velasquez is a star. They think, uh, with that, with those demographics. And they think that Ray is giving him the rub and they haven't been able to have a Hispanic star since Ray or Eddie Guerrero. And this is their latest attempt at making SmackDown a show that appeals to the Latino slash Hispanic audience and Cain Velasquez is their guy. So, but like MMA fans don't generally follow to, like when an MMA guy jumps to WWE, like when Brock was doing all those crazy record-setting numbers on pay-per-view, yeah, those people didn't come by Extreme Rules 2012 when <laughs> when he fought John Cena when he came back, you know, like that. So I I don't know the people that are fans of Cain Velasquez are going to be like, oh, I want to watch Cain Velasquez wrestle. They probably be like, no, I want to see him fight. So, I don't know if this makes sense to me. And also, it's like, you're right that they haven't had a, a Latino star. Certainly, first of all, there will probably never be a Latino star <laughs> as big as Rey Mysterio. Uh, but they also never really tried with anyone except kind of Del Rio. But even then, it was the the stop-start BS He's the champion, but he's third. You know, he's third from the top, and he gets beat all the time. Stuff. Well, they 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 just they they did a good job of getting Del Rio to the top, but then when he was at the top, they cut the legs out from under him repeatedly. Like he lost the title after he won after he won the title the first time. He like lost it on his first defense to Cena. You know what I mean? Like stuff yes. like that. They built. He won the Royal Rumble and then lost to Edge, and then Edge retired. Right. Like they. They definitely actually tried with him in getting him to the top, but once he was at the top, they did not maintain yeah, that. Yeah, and they really never... And there was a lot of reasons why Sinkara didn't work out. Meaning like because they, they told him to stop doing everything that made him Sinkara? Correct. That that <laughs> didn't help. Um, and they've kind of, again, the kind of stop-start stuff they had... They had that great series of matches between him, uh, between Ray and Andrade last fall. And now the last time I think I saw Andrade <laughs> on TV, he was losing to The Miz. So, like, the, to, this idea that, mention. oh, we can't find a Latino star. It's like, well, you, you very rarely try. <laughs> it's, it's the old Simpsons joke of we've, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> right. Right. So... Well, I guess they, they half-assed in an angle with Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury on the show, too. Like, cool. it was very, very clear that they thought they had a sports audience tuned into this show, and they did two angles with real sports stars. They treated it like there were people that had never heard of wrestling before watching this show. Yeah. They were explaining the rules of a ladder match. They kept telling you over and over again what everyone's nicknames were and what, and they were like trying to explain, like they had to slowly explain, uh, who the fiend is. Did you, did you see the photo of all the Fox executives that were sitting front row watching the fiend or the Firefly Funhouse sketch? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that's entirely who the, all of those people were, but some of them definitely were. Probably not, but it was still very, very funny. Yes. Um, I just like they they really treated the show, and to your point, yes, they did some stuff sports crossovers, and they really seemed to think maybe maybe we're getting people 
that like, as you pointed out, watch baseball or watched the NFL on Sundays or watch boxing that are, that saw commercials and like, they're going to check out this show tonight and we're just going to have to tell them every single thing in great detail about who all of these people are repeatedly. Yeah. Well, how NFL is coming up on Sunday and there are three matches announced for it. Uh, Becky and Sasha in the cell, Seth and Bray in the cell, and Brian and Roman against uh, the big guys, the Bludger Brothers. And who knows what else will take place on a show <laughs> that will surely start too early and end too late. Remember there was that WCW show where, like, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't even tell the cable company what was going to be on the show. So the cable company made an ad where they're like, it's such a secret that they, that they won't even tell us who's on the show. But order yes. this pay-per-view. And it was like one of the worst buy rates in the history of the company. Yes. Uh, mystery box shows don't do well. And I know it's not pay-per-view anymore. And all that really matters is these TV numbers. But like, don't, <sighs> it's very insulting to be like, order this show on Sunday or watch this show on Sunday. Give four hours of your life to this, to this company on Sunday. We didn't even care enough to set up three other matches tonight on our big show. <laughs> it's bizarre. What a bizarre week in this bizarre business. Looks like 205 Live is canceled, by the way. Yeah, they just, they decided they said they were airing a rerun after, after SmackDown. And, uh, yeah, I think the uh, the cruiserweight title is going to be the NXT cruiserweight title. I think and it already says that on .com, by the way. Yeah, so, I mean, worst kept secret in the business over the last two months is something bad's going to happen to 205 Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the guys that are there. Is Well, I mean, it's mostly kind of funny this week because they literally announced matches for it, like, yesterday. Right. And then just today decided not to do it. Um, right. So... Yeah, this certainly sort of seems like an example of the the one hand not being aware of what the other is doing in this moment. But, hey, we're on Fox now, and everything's going to be great, and it always will be. That's right. New boom period. All right. You ready to get out of here? Yep. All right. Till next time, everybody, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the elite podcast network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. 
That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. I try to keep on keeping on. 